So from verse 17 to 21. Um. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command those to do, to command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. to see you here. My name's Henry. Um, welcome if you're visiting. Uh, welcome if you're not visiting as well. Uh, it's great that we can all be here. Um, as we get started, let me pray for us again. Uh, Father, may your word to us this morning uh, inspire us, challenge us, and transform us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, listen up. This sermon is for you. Uh, This sermon is for you because this passage is about you. Now, that's generally true in most parts of the Bible, but particularly today this is relevant because we are rich. We're rich, aren't we? Now, you might be thinking, okay, I'm not Bill Gates or someone like that, but in the global scheme of things, we are well off. We're in a position of privilege. Uh, We have options in life. Uh, We are rich. Uh, Now, in the previous section, uh, Paul has uh, addressed uh, Christians who are poor and he's warned against the dangers of uh, loving money and seeking to get rich out of greed. And now he turns his attention to Christians who are rich, uh, those who are rich in this present world. And this is what we're thinking about today. How can we live wisely as Christians who are rich? How can we live wisely as Christians who are rich? Uh, And there are three things we learn from this passage uh, that help us answer this question. Uh, The dangers we face as rich people, the duties we have as rich people, and the destiny of the wise rich person. Uh, The dangers we face, the duties we have, and the destiny of the wise rich person. So firstly, the dangers we face as rich people. Uh, There are two dangers Paul uh, points out here to be on guard against. False pride and false security. False pride. Uh, Have a look at verse 17 there at the start. He says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Not to be arrogant. You see, it's easy for rich people to think that they've they've earned it. Uh, They deserve it. Uh, They they have it all. You know, they have a nice house, nice car, nice clothes, their kids are in good, uh, good school, uh, they have a good income and a stable job, uh, they can go on some holidays, maybe not at the moment. Um, when you have all that, it's easy to think that, well, maybe I don't really need God. 
This is the lie of the Australian dream. We have everything that we could possibly want in material things, so maybe we don't need God. And I think this can lead us to be self-entitled. Uh, we had last year our AFL footballers who earn you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year uh, complaining about taking a pay cut when there are people amidst COVID who were losing their jobs. I think sometimes uh, this can happen to us. We focus on what we don't have rather than what we do have. Our wealth can make us selfish and self-centred. It can cause us to look down on others who are less well-off. Uh, the second danger there is false security. Uh, Paul says, Command those who are rich in this present world uh, not to put their hope in wealth. See, it's easy for the rich to imagine that uh, their, their wealth, their money, will secure anything. And this starts to shape how you live. Generating wealth, protecting your wealth, uh, indulging in your riches starts to become the main driver in your life. It starts to shape your decisions and desires more than anything else. And it can become easy to trust in it for ultimate security. It becomes your foundation, becomes the rocks on which you build your life. And why is this a danger? Well, wealth is so uncertain. Wealth is so uncertain. Uh, Paul, in the previous section, has already reminded that uh, we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of this world. Riches don't last. Uh, We certainly can't take them with us when we die, but they might be lost possibly much sooner than that. Life is uncertain, isn't it? There are numerous hazards that can threaten our wealth. I don't know if you've noticed, there are a lot of insurance ads on at the moment, it seems. Um, Insurance is a big business um, for just about anything you can think of. And insurance is there to try and give us a greater sense of security and to protect our wealth. Uh, Now, there's wisdom in that. But I think it shows how much security we do place in material things. And really, it's ironic. The fact that we have insurance, I think, shows just how insecure things really are. You know, you just read the, the product disclosure statement on, you know, for, with some insurance and all the things that you can make a claim for, and you, you know, vandalism, robbery, accidents, floods, house fires, bushfires, sickness pandemic, you know, and those budget direct ads with like dinosaurs and laser beams and, you know, anything can happen. Um, that's the thing. Wealth is uncertain. And, and we don't know what will happen to us in a decade, a year, a week. John Stott said, many people have gone to bed rich and woken up poor. Jack, could you pass me my balloon? Happy birthday, Johnny. Um, You you would have seen a kid at a party and they've got a balloon and they're playing with it and it's the best thing ever. (laughs) 
you know, and they're having so much fun, and then all of a sudden, oh no, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, that's what trusting in wealth is like. You think it's fulfilling, you think it's going to last, so good, and then just like that, it's gone. Yes. So I think the question for us today is, have we fallen prey to these dangers? Has our wealth made us self-entitled? Uh, are we looking to our wealth for security? Is that, has that become our foundation? How does your wealth shape your life? Uh, does wealth or losing wealth make you worried? Now, it's important at this point, I think, to say that the rich are not commanded to get rid of their wealth, but rather to use it wisely. See, wealth is not bad. In fact, there are a number of proverbs in the Bible that talk about wealth and wealth generation as a good thing when it's done in the right way, when it's to honour God when it's viewed with the right perspective. So being rich, we, we are at risk of these dangers, uh, but it, it's not about getting rid of your wealth. We're still able to serve God faithfully and wisely. Uh, so what does that look like? So secondly, the duties we have as rich people. So Paul gives instructions to Timothy, uh, to rich people, on how they're to act towards God and how they're to act towards others. He calls rich people to put their hope in God. To put their hope in God. To trust not in uncertain riches, but in God, the one who gives those gifts. See, God is a firm foundation. He's eternal, changeless, faithful, and unfailing in his love and provision. And part of how we do this is to recognise the goodness of God. Uh, Paul points us to God's character. Have a look at the end of verse 17 there. He says, uh, God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God wants us to find pleasure in the gifts that he gives. They're given for our enjoyment. You know, the, these things that we have, our house, our clothes, um, entertainment, food, whatever it might be, you know, these are things that are actually quite nice, aren't they? And enjoyable. Um, they bring great joy when we see them in the right light. So we're not to get rid of our wealth. We're not to exchange materialism for asceticism, that is, uh, seeing the material world as, as bad or evil. Um, I, I think sometimes in Western culture we're um, at risk of this... Uh, physical spiritual dualism where we have you know god and faith and spiritual stuff over here you know in one part of our life and then we've got all the physical stuff you know the our, our work and money and day-to-day -day things and and we kind of uh there's this disconnect between them um which can lead to one of two things either we acknowledge the giver but reject his gifts you know, I think there are some Christians who, who believe in God and they want to honour God and serve God, but they see material or created things as 
you know, unspiritual and, and bad or immoral even. Uh, the other side of the coin, though, is, uh, and I think this is uh, far greater risk for us, is that we receive the gifts, but we ignore the giver. We have all the things that we have in our life, our house, our car, our clothing, our other possessions, and we think, this is, this is mine, I, I've earned this. And we, we forget, we fail to realise that it's a gift from God. God is the one who's given us these things. We're to look to him. We're to see God as our generous creator, our loving heavenly father who richly provides us with good things in creation to enjoy. But not in, in, in themselves, they're to point us to him. I was reading this week uh, The Magician's Nephew, the first book in the Narnia series, and there's this beautiful moment where Aslan creates Narnia, and it's this beautiful thing, all the things that he's made, and he makes the animals, and he gives them the whole land of Narnia to enjoy. Uh, but all the animals, they line up in a circle around him. They have all these beautiful gifts that are theirs, that Aslan has given, but their focus is on him. And that's the thing. We receive good gifts from God, but it's to point us to him. That we would trust him and love him and receive his love as our father. And it's as we put our hope in God that this is to shape how we treat others. Look at verse 18. We're called to do good to others. To be rich in good deeds. So those who are rich are called to be rich. Uh, it's, you know, God has blessed you with material wealth. Now use that wealth to bless others. I think having wealth brings a sense of responsibility. In contrast to being selfish, we're to be generous and willing to share. We're to use our wealth to serve others for their betterment. We're to be full of good deeds sparked by generosity. God is a generous giver and he calls us to reflect his character. We're to be generous and willing to share. So what does this look like? I think this is a question we need to ask ourselves, both as individuals, but also as a church, as a community. Um, I think there are practical things around uh, our fi financial giving to the church or um, to our mission partners or things like that. Meeting material needs, um, blessing others. Um, and then beyond the church, you know, how we, how we treat the poor, um, giving financially or materially to things like that. There are, there are the practical things, but I also think there's the attitude as well. Uh, it's tax time at the moment. Uh, most people resent paying taxes. Why is that? Where do our taxes go? They go to education, infrastructure, healthcare, social services, things for the benefit of other people. You know, and political matters aside, uh, that, that should be for, for the Christian a great joy. We shouldn't resent that. That's our money being used to uh, serve others who might not otherwise be able to afford those things. How radical would that be? 
So what does it look like for you and for Barneys to be generous? Uh, I think this is something this week in your DNA groups and even as gospel communities we can think about. Um, I'll send some questions out and other things to think about. Uh, It'd be good to look at the ways we are already doing this, uh, things that we can thank God for, where we can see him at work amongst us, but also to consider the ways we can grow in doing this. And I think as we grow in this as a church, we see the impact of a generous community, uh, that as other people come into our community, they uh, taste some of the generosity of God through us. So it's not about the amount of money you have, but it's what you do with it. It's what you want it for. So are you putting your money to work for you out of selfish motivations or for the benefit of others and beyond just your own family even? Proverbs chapter 11 verse 24 says, One person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. So what do we gain? Where does this lead? So thirdly and finally, the destiny of the wise, rich person. Generosity in this present world leads to treasure in the coming age. Look at verse 19. Uh, Paul says, In this way, that is, by being generous and willing to share, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. See, this is all about developing perspective. It's about being rich in the things that last. Uh, This passage has strong connections with Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6, where he says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy and thieves can break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy. Thieves can't break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now Jesus' teaching is very practical and applicable to daily life. Uh, It's not just about having a certain set of beliefs uh, or theology, but it's, it's practical. It's to shape how we live, including our wealth and possessions, how we view them and how we use them. This is about storing up the right kind of treasure, laying up spiritual treasure, a good foundation for the future and the age to come. See, good deeds and generosity are treasures that last. Wealth is fleeting. Uh, It won't last. But when we serve others, uh, the way that honours God, the joy that that brings us, uh, the blessing it is to others, that, that is something that lasts forever. And as we reflect God's generosity, uh, that may, may draw others to him. And this is eternal fruit. These are good, fulfilling, lasting treasures. And Paul says that this will allow us to take hold of the life that is truly life. So what's life about? Being rich now or being rich eternally? Uh, 
about laying up treasure for yourself here or treasures in heaven. There's a clear contrast between uh, life that is based on accumulating material things and true life which will continue in the age to come. Jesus said, life does not consist in abundance of possessions. We're to grasp hold of that which is truly life, real life, not the life we experience now that's affected by sin and death, that's shaped by arrogance and selfish living and storing up earthly treasures, but life in all its fullness and beauty and glory as God designed it to be. When we do that, it's, it's eternal and lasting, not fleeting like earthly wealth. And it also means that if we lose our earthly wealth, we have something better in store. I read an article the other night about uh, a man who had um, saved up for his retirement and he was all set up and then overnight the bank that he had all his money in, over a million dollars, like crashed, went bad, closed down, and he lost it all. Uh, for the Christian, though, if that were to happen, as difficult as it would be, it would not rock their foundation. We have something better in store. This is the end we work towards when we are wise and generous with our earthly riches now. We invest in our relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. And we invest in serving others. True life is marked by generosity and selflessness and hope in God. And I think we get a taste of what this looks like most, most clearly in Jesus. See, Jesus is the ultimate rich man. He enjoyed the riches of perfect relationship with God the Father. Yet he gave up his riches. He became poor for our sake. He humbled himself, becoming human. But as he walked on this earth, he was rich in good deeds. He was generous to those in need. I think this is most clearly uh, captured by that famous passage in Philippians, which said, Christ Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is the ultimate display of generosity. Jesus giving up his life by dying for us, taking on himself um, our arrogance and selfishness in our wealth, the way we've trusted in wealth instead of in God, the way we've received God's gifts but ignored him. Jesus took that all on himself as he died for us. He let go of his life so that we can take hold of true life. And it's as we grasp the generosity of God, he who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for us all. It's 
as we grasp that, this will change how we view our wealth and how we use our wealth. We'll learn to hold it loosely, knowing that it's a gift from God, not something we've earned. It's something to be used for the the benefit of others, to serve. But it's given as a gift for us to enjoy. But it's not everything. It's not our foundation. Our lives don't depend on it. We have something better in store. We have someone better in store. Eternal life with God of true riches that will last forever. See, Jesus calls us to this new life. Life that reflects God's generosity and frees us from the striving and the worry uh, from trying to live with wealth as your security. Let's be a community shaped by the generosity of God, using our wealth to serve others, that this would reflect God's generosity and point others to him. Let's pray. Father, we praise you as our loving Heavenly Father, our good and generous Creator, who so richly blessed us physically with material things. We thank you for those. Please help us to enjoy them in a godly way, to be thankful. But may they point us to you. Please grow our love for you. Please guard, guard us against selfish living, storing up riches for ourselves, putting our hope in our wealth. Please free us from that. Transform us. And fix our eyes on Jesus, uh, who gave up his life and opened the door to new life, uh, where we are free and have uh, eternal treasures, true life to grasp hold of. Help us to do that today, in Jesus' name. Amen.